1964, there was a murder in New York City. This was not the only one, sadly, but there was a murder in New York City. And the unique or perhaps unnerving thing about this particular murder was that it could have been avoided. Uh, there was a 28-year-old woman who was coming home after a night shift. And she got home all the way to in front of her apartment building, but before she had the chance to go in, she was attacked. Some assailant came up. He stabbed her. And she cried out, my God, help me. He stabbed me. And because of the commotion on the ground, all the apartment buildings around heard the noise. People came to their windows. They flicked on their lights. And so again, in the early morning, suddenly all this light was coming in. The assailant was panicked and ran off. But because the people in the apartment buildings were scared for their own well-being, they didn't want to come down and get involved. In fact, no one even called the police. There was 38 witnesses to this. What happened is the assailant saw that no one was coming down. And so, in fact, he went back over to this woman He robbed her of $49 and killed her. Now, Jesus tells a very similar story, but with an entirely different end in Luke chapter 10. And uh, we're going to hop into that here this morning. But uh, if you are just joining us here for the first time, welcome to our series, Unmute Yourself. And we've been saying over the last little while, it's a pretty common phrase with all of the Zoom meetings and uh, perhaps you're doing school online and interacting with other classmates or something. And so sometimes someone is kind of chattering on on screen, but you realize quickly that you can't hear a word that they're saying. Maybe that's happened to you. Maybe even Zoom lets you know, hey, I think you need to unmute your microphone. You need to be unmuted. And so we've been talking about how we need to unmute ourselves before God in prayer, talking about our neighbors, that kind of thing, just like uh, Sherry's story, she unmuted herself. Um, we've been talking about how we need to do that. Well, we also need to be present pe- with people. Maybe that's kind of making sure that your video is on and working, that people can see you and engage with you. To be present where people are in order to share our faith with them. But we're going to talk about meeting needs this morning uh, as we uh, consider the scripture. So this series, again, is about not staying silent, about being present, not withdrawn. If you haven't caught any of the messages up until this point, you can always check them out uh, through our podcast or YouTube page. Uh, Again, for all of the details, you can always go to hillcrestmj.com and uh, be up to date with what's uh, happening here at Hillcrest. Again, if you're joining us online, we're so glad that you're here. And uh, you can let us know in the comments if you're still wearing your pajamas or not as you join us this morning. Okay? Um, Let's dive into the scripture. This is Luke chapter 10. And actually, the earlier part of this chapter is kind of the layout of this series. We looked at uh, Jesus talking about sending out his disciples to let everyone know that the kingdom was coming. And so he said, yeah, first you go, you can bless people as you go. When you enter their house, you're going to bless them. Uh, You can spend time with them, eating and drinking. You can meet their felt needs, do healings and other kind of things. And then you can proclaim that the kingdom of God has come uh, near. And just after that comes this very familiar part of scripture. This is Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, if you want to read along um, with uh, your Bible on your phone or, um, or if you've brought yours with you. Here we go. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
What is written in the law? Jesus replied, or Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went and bandaged his boons, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. So Jesus told him, go and do likewise. You pray with me. Holy Spirit, right now, you are here with us. And I pray you would make the word of God to come alive to our minds and to our hearts so that we would know you more and so that by it we would be transformed. Amen. So we're going to look at kind of two points to this text, kind of the first half and the second half. The first is the motivation to be a good neighbor. And the second part will be about practical ways to be a good neighbor. Why is it that we don't get involved? See, research uh, shows that if there's an emergency of some kind and there's one or two people um, nearby, they will likely get involved or certainly more often than not, they will. They'll offer to help or they'll call for help. They'll do something. But if there's an emergency and there's a crowd around of many people, it's likely that no one will get involved. We feel less inclined to get involved, believing that it should be someone else's responsibility. We hope that there's you know, a police officer or a paramedic or a doctor, something like that in the crowd, someone that's qualified to deal with the situation. And whether it's our fear or our pride getting the better of us, we do nothing to help those who are really in need. At its very deepest root, I think we're just not moved with compassion. And what moves a person to compassion or to have mercy is love. See, love is the conversation or the topic of conversation that they're having, Jesus and this expert in law. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? See, this is the first mistake that the, <laughs> the expert says. He sums it all up in doing. See, it's hard for people to accept that in Christianity, all of our doing is either a response to the grace that has been given to us, that we've received, or it is self-righteousness. It is our doing in order to pay our own way, to pay off our debt of sin, which is in fact a sin. In other religions, you repent of your sin. That's kind of the way it goes in most religions. However, in Christianity, you repent of your sin, but you also repent of your own righteousness. 
See, nothing we can offer God can be received as payment for our sin or payment for access to eternal life. Have you ever been going through the Tim Hortons drive through and you arrived at the window and, and the, you know, the person there greeted you and said, your order has already been covered, you know, the person ahead of you has already paid. Has that happened to anybody? Any, that's happened to a few of you? Okay, are you at home? Anybody? Does that happen? Let us know in the comments. Also, if you have ever had that happen to you in McDonald's, let us know. Because I don't think I've ever had that happen in McDonald's, right? Lots of people go to McDonald's for coffee. I go to Tim Hortons most often for coffee. But I, don't, I can't remember a time when someone paid it forward at McDonald's. Just an observation. Nothing to do with the, the message this morning. Okay, but can you imagine... You know, maybe you've been held up in the drive-thru and you're kind of looking ahead going, what's going on? What's taking so long? Here I am waiting to get my order. I've got places to be and what's the commotion up here? And you realize it's a person complaining. They're upset. They went to pay for their order and someone had paid for it. And they were demanding that they, could, they wanted to pay for it. Can you imagine that? And the person would say, like, well, if you want to give us a tip, that you can, that's fine. Or if you want to pay it forward to the person who's coming next, that's, that's totally fine. But your order has been paid for. You can't pay for it twice. See, that's how it is in Christianity. Your debt of sin has been paid for through Jesus. His death on the cross. Your access to eternal life has been freely offered to you. All you have to do is receive it through faith in Jesus. Everything else you do is a response to his grace. Now, Jesus doesn't blurt all of that out to this expert of the law. He's perhaps more wise than I I might be. Instead, like Sherry, he simply asks a few questions. He says, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? As another pro tip, when you're talking to people about matters of faith, is to let them do the talking. Ask simple, thoughtful questions. It's very, and also, not that you can't give answers. I mean, if someone says, where was Jesus born again? You can't say, oh, you tell me where was he born. There is an answer, and you can give that answer, but Jesus uses this technique of asking questions to allow people to arrive at their own answers, at their own conclusions. Lots of great teachers do this. It's a good tactic, especially if someone is trying to test you, like this guy was. If you feel like you're struggling to share your faith with someone because you can't seem to sum it all up to give the answers, try asking questions about what they believe. When you ask questions, you allow other people to arrive at answers. See, in my opinion, Christianity is the most comprehensive, cohesive, and concrete explanation of the world in which we find ourselves. And if you ask someone else to sum up all of the things that they believe about this world, very often you find that they don't have as comprehensive or cohesive, concrete explanations of the way that our world is, how we find ourselves here. In fact, I have a guitar hero. I was watching some of his videos, and he's been stuck at home uh, during COVID and not out on tour, and so he's taken to doing video blogs and just talking about things that are going on for all of his fans to keep them interested. And in one particular video, he talked at length about some of his beliefs. And it's kind of a typical New Age approach to understanding the world. But as he was trying to give the answers, you could almost see him becoming more and more unclear and uncertain about his beliefs because it really wasn't very comprehensive or cohesive in how it all fit together. He was struggling, and as he struggled to try to find those answers, it was almost revealing, again, 
the nature of the, his beliefs. Now, if you ask people questions, you can often find that they will come to certain answers, come to certain understanding, and that's what Jesus does with this expert in the law. So again, Christianity must be freely um, embraced, so allow people space. So the expert in the law, he says, well, gives his answer, the love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now this expert in the law likely didn't generate this statement on the spot all by himself, and it probably also didn't originate with Jesus, though he is quoted as saying this. It's likely that this was the statement that Jewish scholars would use to try and sum up all of the law, really what it's all about, because it would take much too long to recite the whole thing every time you were trying to explain what the law was all about. Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Love perfectly. Those who love perfectly will inherit eternal life. That's the standard for acceptance with God. That's how he loves. He loves perfectly. But if we are honest with ourselves, we do not love perfectly. Have you ever been impatient with somebody? You don't love perfectly. Have you ever said an unkind word either to someone or behind their back? Then you don't love perfectly. If you don't sell all you have and give it to the poor, then you don't love perfectly. Sin is to love imperfectly. And this expert in the law has a moment to think about his own ability to love perfectly. And he realizes he can't do it. It means means his whole way of life, his understanding of the law and all of his religious traditions, they can't help him. All he has is his self-righteousness. So in an effort to try to control the parameters, he thinks to himself, well, I I don't think I can love everyone perfectly, but perhaps a few people I can. I mean, certainly not a Samaritan, certainly not my enemies, but perhaps a few I can love perfectly. So if I can make these parameters smaller, then I can do it. I can get in on my own with my own self-righteousness. See, we're able to love some people But when it comes to loving our our enemies, most of us are at a loss. See, he wanted to justify himself. And so he asks the question, who is my neighbor? See, he was thinking, surely not everyone's going to be my neighbor, especially not the Samaritans. There has to be limits. And then Jesus tells him the story. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, again, comes along, came came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. The unique thing about the three men who approached the wounded person, the person left for dead, was that the third person, the Samaritan, had compassion. Where did it come from? See, it was the same situation that the other two came upon. They saw the exact same thing. The other two stepped to the side, and he got right into the middle of it all. See, I'm not sure exactly what the motivation was. Again, it's a fictional story that Jesus tells Perhaps it was that he was once a half-dead person, and it was his life in the hands of someone else. Sometimes a medical emergency is like that. Perhaps some of you have been in that situation where your life was entirely in the hands of someone else. Or perhaps he just knew that in different circumstances, if, for example, the Samaritan had left 30 minutes earlier, it just would have been him lying there. And the only difference between the person who was half dead lying on the side of the road and him was timing. 
Can you imagine lying there, half dead, knowing I can't do anything? I'm entirely in someone else's hands, and hopefully somebody will come by soon enough. And then someone came, and they just kept going. And then it happened twice. Can you imagine that 28-year-old woman feeling the hope when her assailant ran off as the lights came on and as people came to their windows to look down? And then the despair when no one actually came. Perhaps all that's what it was. He simply thought, this is just timing. If the circumstances were slightly different, I'd be in that spot. I would be that half-dead person. And so he gets down. He goes over and he starts to intervene. Did you know that the word respect means to see again? See, it's something when we talk about respect, sometimes we water it down to just mean kind of a bare minimum of code of contact between people. But respect is to see things through someone else's eyes, to see it from their angle. The Samaritan up on his donkey actually was seeing through this other person's eyes, looking up at him and feeling the things that that person was feeling and having compassion on him. See, the Jews would have had a very hard time at seeing the Samaritan as the hero. That would have been hard. They couldn't do that respecting. And actually, most people, when they hear this message, many times It is uh, Christian people who would think, yes, a good Samaritan, we ought to do good in the world, let's get out there and do good. We see ourselves first as the hero. But in fact, the reason why this person had compassion, the reason why he was involved in the first place, was likely that he saw himself as the half-dead man. And I think, unless you can see yourself as the half-dead man, you will never become the Samaritan. In order to have the motivation to be a good neighbor, to really love people around you, you need to know the love of God. You need to know how hopeless you'd be without him. You need to know the depth of your sin and brokenness. And then you need to know his love for you demonstrated on the cross. If you try to make your imperfection and your sin much smaller, if you try to forget about it, make it small, say, it's oh, it's tiny, and it's in the past, and it's hidden over here, and we don't need to talk about it anymore, you won't have a grand sense of God's grace in your life or his mercy or his love. You really won't. You have to be honest and truthful about really what it is in the heart of hearts, your sinfulness, your brokenness. Then you will understand his love for you, that he went to the cross for you, That he loves you. See, when the expert in the law asked, who is my neighbor? In many ways, Jesus could have said, I am. And you're the half-dead man. I'm here, though it means I will suffer harm. I'm here to share your fate, to die in your place, so that you can share in my fate to conquer death and enter eternal life. 1 John chapter 4, 19 says this, We love because he first loved us. Where does the compassion come from? It comes from our understanding of his love for us. It's that simple. Love, his love for you. Meditate on his love. Receive his love today and experience it over and over again. Make it your furious obsession to know and experience his love for you. As 
<laughs> um, as his love for you consumes your life, you'll find the motivation to be a good neighbor. And really, this can't be emphasized enough. See, all the law and the prophets hang on love. Loving God is loving your neighbor. And it's loving your neighbor as yourself. You're involved, right? This is you experiencing his love. You loving others and loving God. See, this is not stoicism where you just do the right thing and pay no mind to your own real and genuine needs. It's all intertwined. You can't love God without loving your neighbor, and you can't love your neighbor unless you know the love of God. So meditate on it. Think about it. Sing about it. Soak in it. Preach to your own heart. Set aside the guilt and the shame that the devil wants you uh, to concentrate on in order to hold you back. And instead receive the love of God. Maybe you've never received or had that experience of the love of God. If you'd like to receive eternal life, you can put your faith in Jesus today. You can experience his love and forgiveness. We use a simple prayer around here for someone to kind of make this decision. And it's something that anyone can pray anytime. You could pray it daily if you would like. It's a simple prayer. And if you want to make that commitment today, you can pray it with me. Dear Father, thank you that you love me. And you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Help me to live a life that honors you by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's point number one. The motivation to be a good neighbor is love. Here's point number two, or the second half. This is practical ways to be a good neighbor. See, this passage has lots of practical ways to demonstrate meeting needs, which is what we're talking about, unmuting yourself in order to meet needs, to be present, to meet needs, to be with people. Not every crisis is a medical emergency because of criminal activity and violence, like in this particular story. But there's lots of practical examples in this story that we can put to use in our daily lives. So let's talk about some of them. So once we know and are regularly experiencing the love of Jesus, we can be in the ready position to be a good neighbor. Here's some practicals. Number one, pay attention. This might seem overly simplistic, but pay attention. The Samaritan saw the man's situation. See, in our world, again, the other two kind of did too. They came upon him. It was con- they were confronted with it. But the other two managed to kind of slip by and almost as if it was unnoticed. Maybe even more so in our world, it's easier to miss the people who are in desperate situations. So do what you can to pay attention to the dangers in our world and how it is affecting the people around you. See, Jesus even said, you know, he's going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He cites the road and everyone would have gone, ah, yes, that section going from this point to this point, we know it's dangerous. You have to be aware of, again, what is dangerous in our world. Pay attention. Okay, when it comes to danger, use wisdom, not fear. Don't throw yourself into danger without thinking, but don't avoid danger because of fear. Instead, use wisdom. Trust the Holy Spirit and remember, again, earlier, (laughs) Jesus said, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. So again, he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. It, it might not hurt to know first aid. Or how to dial 911. Or to put someone in touch with an agency or an organization that can help with any number of issues 
that might be facing someone. We heard an earlier story, and it was about knowing to call a plumber. Right? <laughs> Pay attention. But then, again, just how can you help people? There's simple ways to be able to do that. It might be first aid. The guy had oil and wine ready to go in order to begin the healing process and the disinfecting process from the injuries, from the wounds. Transportation. Then he put the man on his own donkey. You might just need to give somebody a ride. Don't underestimate the importance of transportation in meeting someone's needs. Uh, how many of you had vehicle repairs lately? I just had some vehicle repairs, and I was without a vehicle for a day. And life gets complicated when you lose one set of wheels, doesn't it? Have you had this experience recently? Your vehicle might not become an ambulance like the Samaritan's donkey did, but your vehicle can be an incredible blessing to someone. Beyond that, he brought him to an inn and took care of him there. He personally stayed with him for a night. The first 24 hours are often critical for the well-being of a person who is critically injured. Some needs are urgent, and your willingness to set aside your personal agenda for a time might make all the difference. It's also critical to respond immediately to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. See, he's set up a sovereign plan that involves you. Do you believe that? There are needs out there that only can be met by him through you. So don't miss those opportunities. When you look back on your life, you will never regret saying yes to him. The next day, he pulls out two denarii. Uh, Depending on which commentators, uh, commentators you're reading, that could be, you know, a few days wages, or it might be like more like a month of income. That's a significant amount of money. Compassion Getting involved will cost you. Love will cost you. So put it in your budget. Do what you can to support your church and other agencies and organizations that help those in need. And do what you can to be in a financial position to be able to respond to needs as they come up. And then, again, he gave the the money to the innkeeper. There was some partnership involved. Partnership is important. See, this Samaritan wasn't just out for a Sunday walk. Again, this road was particularly dangerous. He would have been on that road likely because he had business to attend to. But he drops everything to meet this person's needs. But then he uses partnership with the innkeeper in order to go and attend to his business. See, he said, look after him. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have had. See, even though he has other things to attend to, perhaps his business or his family... It's, again, on his dime, he's still invested, and he has a plan to return. See, he doesn't permanently neglect the other aspects of his life, but he doesn't also just intervene in this guy's life quickly and then forget about it. He returns to his other responsibilities, but he has a plan to continue offering offering help. Here's the bottom line. Unless we experience the perfect love of God... We will never be able to love perfectly. And unless we understand what it took to rescue us, we will never play a part in rescuing someone else. See, when we know the love of God personally, we will experience greater joy, but it will also enable us to demonstrate that love throughout our world. Once you see that Jesus has had mercy on you and have experienced his love for you, 
ask the Holy Spirit to show you specific needs that you can meet. Especially, again, if you've already unmuted yourself in prayer for that person. See, we love because he first loved us. See, in some ways, this message, this part of Scripture should come to our hearts as a commotion on the street. We're already awake because of the sound. We've flicked on the lights. And we've gone to the window to see what's happening. If you don't respond, what's going to happen next to the people that are perhaps in the street who are left half dead? But if you get involved, if you see the need and bring heaven's resources with you to meet them, you will be glad that you did. Let's stand together. We're going to pray as we close. Father in heaven, I want to pray for these people who are here with me now. I pray that as um, we are just meditating on your word, that you loved us, that you got involved in our mess, that our hearts would be transformed by your love. And I know I can't just make that happen for people, but Holy Spirit, would you do your work? I pray that the people who really need a significant moment with you would have that now. They would receive your love. And even beyond this moment, would you help us all to be able to become more and more aware of your goodness and your love for us? I pray that through the songs that we um, sing regularly, through the music that we hear, your truth as we read in your word, we would just become saturated in your love for us. So that we would be a people that would be moved with compassion to be able to meet needs in a all kinds of different ways. Father, I pray for those people who are here, um, perhaps who know someone who's in a desperate situation. I pray that you would help them to be wise. I pray that you would help them to be able to um, know what needs to meet exactly and how to meet them. For those people who are wondering what in the world they're supposed to do, um, I pray you would provide answers. Um, Father, as we go from here on to what next um, happens in our lives. Would you help us to pay attention? Would you help us to see the needs? And would you help us to have the courage to be compassionate and to get involved in the needs um, that are in our world? See, some needs feel like big needs, but to us they might seem small. So help us even to meet those felt needs that seem small to us, knowing that they'll be incredibly important um, to those people that we're trying to See, come into your kingdom. Thank you for your love poured out for us. Help us to be a people that become compassionate. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to say thank you for being here with us at this uh, morning service. Steve, you got a couple of things to say as we wrap up. What an incredible message. I just think it's just so key for us. If you want to have, be able to meet the needs for others, the first thing that you need is love for others. And I think um, Kurt just really laid out a great progression there. You need to experience the love of God for yourself. You need to see yourself as the half-dead man that he came for and compassionately uh, tended to. 
And if you see yourself in your, bro- your brokenness and your lostness and your sinfulness, then you're going to really appreciate what he did for you on the cross. You're going to realize his love for you was that great. Then it's going to be so natural uh, or more normal. It's going to be fueled to reach out for others because you're going to have that ability to see things from their perspective. What would it be like to not know Christ, to not have the hope that we have? And, to, and to, as we know his love for us, we are... Uh, we're engaged with, uh, and we know the lostness that, that each person lives in. We're engaged in that uh, desire to meet their needs, especially their spiritual needs. So um, this morning, we're just really absolutely thrilled. This is sort of a new season for us as a church, so I want to sort of just remind you again that uh, we're still sort of getting to the, hopefully, Lord willing, we're at the tail end of something. This COVID season, uh, we're, we're believing that... Uh, that uh, things are going to get better going forward. We're praying for that. But even as we're starting to get our numbers up in church, then we have to be a little more careful with our guidelines. So thankful, thank you already for following the guidelines that we have here. I want to give just a few as we head out this morning, okay? Um, the first is I want to let you know that prayer teams are here to pray with you. If you need prayer this morning, just linger in your pew for a bit. We're going to uh, exit the auditorium here and head out. And so then as people head out, then you can come on up to the prayer teams and they'll pray with you this morning. And again, just a reminder to continue with social distancing, um, you know, six feet. And uh, the guest services team are going to come at this point and they're going to direct us out. So again, it's been a long time since we had bigger numbers, but we want to get back into the right practices, especially at the tail end of this thing. 